Hi, and welcome to Anchored in Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, hostess with the mostest, Rose, coming to you from my room on a Wednesday here in Texas. And it is hotter than all get out here. Um, But, you know, that's what you get living in Texas in the middle of July. Is hotter than Hades. Um, so this is my fifth podcast that I've done. Um, I don't know. I'm not getting much response from people, but hey, whatever. It is what it is. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's <laughs> what I've always done all my life. But this podcast, I wanted to kind of talk about, um, one, my trip I took two years ago by myself for two and a half weeks to the Netherlands and how that whole fucking trip came about. Um, and then also wanted to address um, a question that a friend of mine posed this past week when I, last week when we went on our walk of how I've been handling like I guess the pandemic and staying at home and not doing normal things, right? Not being normal in the fact that I'm not out and about, I'm not hanging out with my friends like I used to, I'm not going to the gym, um, you know, the weekends are a lot more different, meaning I'm not heading out to the river and floating the river and stuff like that. So I kind of want to talk about those things today and just kind of get them out there. And the reason why I want to talk about specifically my trip to Amsterdam um, is because every year come the summertime, I always, my memories, you know, like on Facebook or even like my Amazon photos, because I got all my photos going to that cloud, come up to remind me of that trip. And that trip just, it changed me. It really did. And I loved it for every bit of it. Like, it opened my eyes to the world. Um, And to be honest, I probably never would have went on the trip to begin with. If it wasn't for the internet. So let's start with how this came about. So I was in a um, kind of like a a forum, I guess, like a chat room um, on an app uh, because I was bored as fuck um, and I wanted to occupy my time. And so became really good friends with a lot of people on that chat room. Um, one of my bestest friends now, Jess, I met her through that chat room, and I've talked about her on and off throughout this podcast so far. Um, and, you know, I thought I found the love of my life, right? And he just so happened to live in the Netherlands um, about an two hours south of Amsterdam, I believe. I can't remember how far he lives. Anyways, and it was a a fun relationship, I guess. Um, You know, we would video chat, we would text. Um, The seven hours difference between us because of time zones uh, made it difficult. Um, For us, you know, I'd be getting home from work five o'clock and it'd be like 11 midnight there or 4 30 or whatever and it'd be 11 o'clock to midnight there for him and it made it difficult but we made time you know um and it was good I mean I think we like met in like October November time frame or whatever October and in February I decided I was going to go overseas for a trip to the Netherlands. And I'm thinking about this right now and I'm getting anxiety even just fucking thinking about it. Like, holy fuck, Rose. You went overseas for a guy. Anyways, um, so met the guy uh, online. We chatted for a really long time. In February, I bought my ticket because at the time I was working for Corporate America and that's when we got our bonus. So I just bought my plane ticket and we had plans of like what we were going to do and there was a pink pop which is a music festival out there that happened was happening uh during one of the weekends that I was going to go there and it was like a really great lineup like Pearl Jam was headlining Foo Fighters was headlining and 
oh, uh, Bruno Mars. I was like, all right, this is cool. So many other artists and stuff um, were headlining and playing that I wasn't familiar with, but I became familiar from the time that I decided to go uh, till June when I flew out there. Um, so it was a great time. And then somewhere along the way, February, like end of March, March, April time frame, um, I was still finishing up school, so I was still working, going to school, working out, doing all those things, and having this long-distance relationship, quote-unquote. And all of a sudden, he kind of just disappeared, you know, wouldn't hear from him. It'd be weeks, you know, before I would hear from him, or it'd be days, and I was like, what the fuck's going on, and asking him these questions, and of course, he would never really respond, and had all these shitty answers, and I was like, whatever, fuck it. I'm still going to go to the Netherlands. I'm still going to have a good time, regardless of this asshat. And so I went. (laughs) Um, I gave all my itinerary to one of my best friends here uh, in town, uh, where, you know, flights, everywhere I was staying. I gave her, you know, all my information as far as, like, life insurance, just in case I never came back. Uh, I was preparing for the worst because I was a single female traveling internationally. And I had, like, studied up on things. Um, Rick Steves is amazing as far as giving information on traveling in Europe as a solo traveler, traveling with groups, places to see, things like that. Um, You know, I wanted to minimize my... um, Luggage, so I really just took um, one small backpack sort of thing, um, and then like, uh, like it was like a small carry-on. It was a crossbody, and then one suitcase. And the suitcase was just a small. It was the size of a just of a backpack, a really big backpack. And I packed two and a half weeks worth of shit in there. Now, keep in mind, I minimized the clothes because I figured there were some places like in some of the hostels that I was staying uh, that I was going to wash clothes. And I did. So, you know, and I reused a lot of my clothes because, you know, some days I wouldn't do much of anything other than hang out at a park or whatever. And then Other days were longer and stuff, and I minimized the shoes. I took, like, a pair of sandals. I didn't even take a pair of sandals. I only took tennis shoes, I believe, the whole time. Um, You know, I had a hoodie and a pair of leggings and a pair of shorts and a bunch of shirts, really, because I changed shirts and underwear, of course, and all those things. Um, So I really minimized what I was wanting to pack. I didn't want to look, especially if I was going to be... You know, going from one city to the next, I didn't want to have a whole lot of luggage to lug around and stuff. Um, So I took off. I flew out of here on a, I think, a Saturday night. Yeah, a Saturday afternoon. And nine, ten hours later, I was there on a Sunday morning. I don't even know if that's right. All I know is I was there Sunday morning. I believe, and I was concerned because I was afraid that, you know, most things in Europe are closed on Sunday, so I was really afraid to be like, what's open? And flew to the airport. Let me tell you, the airport in Amsterdam is the most confusing fucking airport ever. That had me nervous as it was, and there I was all by myself, um, you know, in the Netherlands, like, without any connection with anybody because I hadn't heard anything from him. So I was just going to go. Um, I had no friends out there. Uh, I had a list of the places I was staying. Uh, I had a list of the places I wanted to see in Amsterdam. Uh, I ended up buying uh, tickets two days. Um, I, I think a Friday and a Saturday ticket to the festival. And then I booked a hotel in the city, uh, right outside the city of where the festival was having or going on. Uh, because, again, I didn't know what his plan was, if he had any plans, and if I was going to see him. But I still wanted to go. Uh, one of the best 
you know, best pieces of advice my best friend gave me, and she's very much of a type A personality, doesn't do anything on a whim. She's like, if you get a chance to do things, just do it. She goes, whatever you want to do, just do it. And so I did. So I bought those tickets, and I think I paid like $160 for it, and then my hotel stay down in the city. So my first part of the leg was um, I got there on a Sunday um, to Amsterdam. I checked into my first hostel, which was absolutely gorgeous. It was in an old building that had been revamped into a hospital. I don't know what a uh, hostel. I don't know what it was before, but it was just on the front side. It was very industrial, and they were doing a lot of work on that side. But on the back side of it, it opened up to this beautiful park absolutely gorgeous park I mean I couldn't it was was gorgeous Uh, so green so beautiful the the walking the trails were great Uh, so many things to see and it made for perfect because a lot of times I would just go to their grocery store pick up some food because they had the freshest like prepackaged meals and then I would go in the park and eat you know, after a day of like walking around and kind of sightseeing. So I got there Sunday, was kind of like in a funk because jet lag and trying to maneuver that because I left like four in the afternoon and I got there Sunday the next morning, um, you know, and it was like fucked with my brain. So I didn't do a whole lot that day, I don't believe. Kind of just hung around, walked around, checked things out see where I was, Um, and then I slept a lot that first night. I think I slept 11 11 to 12 hours. Sorry, I'm, like, sleepy for some reason. I keep yawning. Um, 11 to 12 hours that first night, um, and I felt refreshed and everything, and I went off, and I don't even know. I think it was, like, a Monday, so I think I actually found a CrossFit gym in Amsterdam, uh, CrossFit Amsterdam. It was great. Um, I walked to the, the, um, the gym and the workout was three rounds. Uh, I think it was like a 20 minute cap of 30 wall ball cleans and a 400 meter run. Holy fuck. Like talking about wanting to kill me. Like that was, I hated running and then all the wall ball cleans and all their wall balls are 14 pounds. So I had no choice. And the funny thing is, is, like, they didn't even have, like, a weight on them. Like, you had to, like, pick them up and feel the difference in the weight between them. Um, I actually met a lady there. She was an expatriate. She had moved from California to Amsterdam right before uh, Trump got into uh, office. Uh, She didn't like the way the country was going at that point in time, and uh, she decided to move. She had a—her company had an office there in Amsterdam, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, She's a really cool lady. We back-squatted together, um, you know, as our strength portion, and then we did the wad. So it was a lot of fun, Uh, definitely interesting. And then I did the uh, two-mile trek back um, from CrossFit Amsterdam because I'm a dummy. I wasn't really familiar yet with the— the bus lines or the train lines or anything like that, which is stupid because once I figured them out, they were super easy. Um, I guess I didn't read too much about that, right? Uh, but luckily, I think that first night, Monday, uh, this guy from St. Petersburg um, was in the room. He came in, and um, he had just flown in, and he was going to be in Amsterdam, I think, for a week. Uh, checking out the sites and everything, and of course he was—he was an American, so it made my life a little bit easier. The other roomie or the other person that was in the roommate was, um, she was from, shoot, I don't know, from an Asian country. I can tell you that much. And she was just on holiday before she went to go study in London, I believe. Um, so it was pretty cool. Uh, so me and the guy were like, sure, let's go. And I was like, do you mind if I tag along? So yeah, first night, uh, he was there. We went out to a a chicken place. Um, it was a little hole in the wall place. 
but it was amazing. They, Amsterdam, the Netherlands, love their chicken and fries. And I had delirium beer for the first time, and I was, I, w- I loved it. Um, I will always drink delirium if, av- if available. Um, it's the most delicious thing. I was definitely hooked on delirium the whole time. I w- I, anytime I could have beer, I would have a delirium. So it was really good. Um, we had a good time. It was, we hung out. We had fun. You know, he had told me that he had all these um, walking tours that you could listen to. And I was like, well, shit, I'll go with you if you don't mind. So for like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those three days, we were running around all of Amsterdam um, listening to these walking tours, believe it or not, by Rick Steves. Um and they were amazing. They were amazing tours. I mean, I went places that I didn't even expect I wanted to go. Like some of the churches, gorgeous churches. I mean, amazing churches. And to find out that Catholicism was not allowed at one point in time and a lot of the churches were hidden, you would look at it like a door, like say some, you know, a front door that you had of your own home. It wasn't intricate, nothing fancy, but then you would open it up and it would open up to this grand cathedral of a of a building that held a church. I mean, you know, with the beautiful ornate designs and um, windows and the organs and the pews. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous just looking at it. It was an awe. And a previous Catholic I had to do the holy water thing, right? You know, Father, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then I had to light a candle. Uh, always lit a candle in every single church that I went to. It's just something I needed to do because it's something that I did growing up. It was beautiful. Um, I did not catch on fire, nor did I did have any burn marks on any of those. So thank you very much for that. So we traveled the city all over the place and we stopped at places that I wanted to go like Albert Cuppy Market that was a great like open air like market flea market I mean had an array of things there got my shroop waffle from there um, so I was excited um, I don't know what other place there was some other places that I had put that I wanted to go and luckily um, they were there I went to the Banksy Museum um, the first day I was there. That's right. I went to the Banksy Museum myself. I absolutely love the Banksy. Um, we went to the really big museum, the Ricksky Museum. Beautiful. So much artwork. So much artwork. And it was, it was a huge museum. We spent the day there. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think I want to say that was maybe like our, my last day in Amsterdam was on the, it was on the Thursday. Or it was on the Wednesday before, I can't remember what day, before I left Amsterdam. Um, We traveled all over the city. We went to the Red Light District. We went to uh, the Jordan area. Uh, We went all over. We saw the Anne Frank Museum, which was really hard to get to um, because, I mean, literally when I looked at booking that, I I tried booking it about 30 days in advance, and it was already booked, so I didn't get it. Uh, but we went to the house and saw it and stuff. Um, we saw I saw the most gorgeous things, churches, monuments, places. Everything was absolutely gorgeous. We stopped at coffee shops, of course. I think one night um, we went to this one uh, restaurant slash bar slash coffee shop, and we got a space cake, which is what you think it was. It's just a weed. Um, an edible basically and it was a um it was just a muffin it looked like a like a cake a little cake muffin and uh, I think the both of us we shared it that night he's like I don't really feel it and I'm like I feel it because I was having pain in my knees and stuff from all the walking because this was kind of shortly after um I had fucked up my um not my Achilles, uh, my IT band and stuff. So my knees were having some issues. So definitely relieve the pain there. And I think one night we actually went to an actual coffee shop and we bought uh, weed and we bought uh, the cones. Um, they were already pre-made papers for us. We had to buy a lighter because we didn't have that. We had to buy a grinder because we didn't have that. And the grinder was great, too, though, because I brought it home as a 
as a souvenir gift. So we smoked one day in a in a coffee shop. So it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I wasn't mad. We had a good time. He, on the other hand, made me a little nervous because uh, he was like kind of all over the place. <laughs> he was like excitable and yelling, and I don't know. I was too too nervous from being in the city here in the states and worrying about people being stupid. Um, but he had a good time. Uh, I think we stopped at one shop, um, and it was where they had Sybil Sidemen, so they had uh, mushrooms there. And we talked about that, too, and maybe doing that one day in the park, but we never ended up doing it. I don't know if he ended up doing it either. Um, but that was kind of fun to check out, and, you know, we asked questions and learned about it and stuff like that. And, of course, oh, we went to this crazy museum, the Sex Museum. Literally, the museum was everything about sex. Now, the funniest thing is there was this... So in Amsterdam, all the buildings, if you can imagine, if you've seen pictures, they're all narrow and tall. Well, it's because when they're taxed, they're taxed on that lowest um, lowest level, right? So if you're taxed on 700 square feet, which is nothing, even though you have a four-story building of 700 square feet, right? So that's 2,800 square feet. But you're only taxed on that lower portion. So that's why the houses and buildings were so narrow and tall because they were just taxed on that lower space. So we went to the sex museum, which, of course, was four levels high. And there was this one level, and I don't know what it, you know, it doesn't matter about the level. Anyways, and it had a bench seat. And you can sit down, but on either side of the bench seat was these penises literally the size of me so i'm like five foot two so they were five five six seven feet tall oh my god it's the most craziest thing to see ever but you i mean anything and everything about sex all the way dating back to like god i don't even know when like the start of time basically and it was actually quite interesting and kind of weird um you know to see but it was an interesting another museum to go to and see. Uh, so we went to Banksy, went to the Sex Museum, uh, we went to the Ritzky. Um, so we had a good time. And again, we went to all these different places. One um, thing he was talking about that he read about were these rice tables. Um, and these rice tables were a, a dinner that you would sit down with people and share all these foods. And so I looked up rice tables and we ended up going uh, finding one but in the process we had to stop somewhere like in this main square area we stopped and there was an apple store or whatever and I needed to like charge my phone because my phone was dying um, even with the extra charger that I took so we sat there at the apple store while he looked around um, and he was very wary this gentleman his name is Eric he's a hypnotist which is really cool it was cool because he worked on cruise ships all over the world and he traveled and he was wary because he, he because I told him this is my first solo travel that I had ever done before. And he's, he was very wary of people and people around you and stuff. And he, you know, taught me certain things about not taking extra bags with me, looking like a tourist, all those different things. So I was sitting at this table charging my phone. And he came along as well, too. And he just sat there after a minute or two of him looking around at the store. Because this Apple store was huge. It was really nice. And this lady came and sat with us, and he was kind of being very wary of her and didn't know, you know, anything about her. But she just started start, um, started striking up a conversation with us, and apparently she was an American, too. She was uh, from New York, and she was, I think she had finished school, or she was about, or she quit her job, and she moved overseas, and she was going to be going to school in, like, London or something, some crazy story, but it was really cool, and we invited her to dinner with us. So the three of us uh, went on these tour, you know, on this tour to go to this rice table, and it was the most awesome dinner ever. This rice table is basically kind of buffet of all different types of. It's not Indian. It wasn't Chinese. I forgot what kind of food it was, but it was amazing food. Um, and we had like rice and we had different chicken, we had different vegetables and we just shared this meal together amongst three strangers, um, in another country. And that was like the coolest thing to me. And we had a good time that night. We laughed, we, you know, we exchanged numbers just to see if we had wanted to do something the next day. Cause I think this was like on a Wednesday night and it was just so much fun. 
So, I mean, again, finding people in the most randomest places, right, and making a connection with them was the coolest thing. Uh, We had so much fun. So, I mean, like I said, I ran around with that guy, Eric, um, for three days, um, and then he had so many other days. He taught me uh, the train lines. He taught me the bus lines. Uh, We got lost. Um, I think even, actually, one day, we the next day, we did meet up, and they went to the Van Gogh Museum. I didn't want to go. I had already been museumed out, and everybody's like, oh, you didn't go to the Van Gogh Museum. Um, So I just chilled out in in a park um, and enjoyed the view and enjoyed the people. And um, it was really great because the Van Gogh Museum, the Banksy, um, the Ripsky Museum, they're all in this one like plaza area. And I think they call it like Museum Plaza or something. And so it was kind of cool just to sit there because this park area was huge and there was so much to do and see. And so I just enjoyed watching the people. So it was fun. I mean, I learned from him. Um, you know, I still follow him on uh, Instagram and stuff. Um, so he's pretty cool. Like I said, he lives out in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, he's a hypnotist, so he does, like, the, the shows at the different colleges and different corporate events and stuff like that. So that's neat. Uh, I don't, never got the girls' information, the ladies' information that we had dinner with that night. Um, but sometimes I wonder what she's up to and what she's doing. So that was my couple five days in Amsterdam, which was amazing. Like I said, I went places that I didn't expect to, churches and hidden churches and um, sex museum and the Banksy Museum and the Red Light District, which was completely different because it's funny. They're very segregated by color, too. So like and they even tell you along this um, in this walking tour of how like the certain uh, alley was all of women of ethnic color and they were all different colors, you know, black Mexicans, you know, they probably weren't Mexicans, but they weren't white. They weren't the typical European whites, which was very strange. And apparently come to find out they pay for these rooms, of course. Right. And some of them pay an extra fee or pay more for a better spot on in the red light district. It was really, really strange and really um, interesting, actually, to find out about uh, the sex workers in Amsterdam and knowing how they work and how everything's regulated. It's pretty cool. Um, it's really, really cool. Actually, outside, or I think even in the red light district, there is a church there, um, a Catholic church, which is really interesting. Um, and they have a, it has a breastplate, a bronze breastplate, on the on the ground and you walk by and it's kind of like a memorial um of the women who have before them who fought for the rights that the women there have now uh, regarding sex work and such like that so it's pretty interesting um so we left so i left friday morning amsterdam because that first weekend first official weekend that I was there in Amsterdam was um, when the music festival Pink Pop was going on. And again, like I mentioned, I was supposed to meet up with this guy. Well, I think on Thursday, I finally heard from him and he was going and he was able to go to the festival with me. And I was just like, okay, I was all excited. Fine. So I took the train out early to um, Landegraaf. Yeah, Landegraaf, I think is where it was. Um, train down early uh, from Amsterdam to because he was so he had a weekend um, bracelet which allowed him to camp on one of the campsites so he could camp all weekend and then I only had the day tickets which only allowed me to go to the, the show itself and the festival itself I couldn't get into the campground so even if I got there and was able to you know, see him at that point in time, I wasn't able to get on the campgrounds with him. So I was still stuck. So what I ended up doing, I don't know what I did, but I ended up finding like kind of like a stub hub in the Netherlands. And I sold my two tickets and I bought a weekend ticket and I was surprised I was able to get it. I don't know how much I spent on it. Probably not much because I think the weekend ticket was like originally 260 270 euro maybe 
and I think I got it for like 130 euro. Uh, they were just trying to get rid of it, which was a godsend to me because then I was able to spend the weekend on the campgrounds with him. And so I couldn't cancel, though, my hotel. So I still had a hotel. But, of course, I had my stuff and camping um, was not conducive to me taking my large, quote-unquote, suitcase backpack. So the hotel served as a drop point. I was able to leave my stuff there and take a small backpack because I took some extra bags with me. So when I came back home, I would have room for my stuff and souvenirs or whatever I wanted to bring back. And I dropped it off at the hotel, uh, grabbed a small bag, and then I took the train from where the hotel was um, to the campground for Pink Pop. And on the way, I met a Scottish guy. So it was really cool because I meet... I don't have a problem talking to strangers. So we were talking to this guy. I was really nervous. And it was it took me a minute to understand him because he was from Scotland. And he was going by himself as well. And I told him I was by myself, but I was meeting up with somebody. And we just kind of talked and hit it off. And I, he's like, I don't even have a place, you know, um, a space or whatever. I was like, okay. So we, we walked to the campgrounds together. And I see my friend. And once we finally get there, and it was, like, stupid, like, one of those magical, <laughs> kind of, like, those stupid things that you see in the movie where, like, two people running to each other with, like, arms open. It seriously was like that. It's, it was so crazy. Um, it was the most amazing feeling ever to to see him in, in person and to be there right there with him. It was It was truly magical, and I loved it. And the guy from Scotland just all of a sudden just felt like the third wheel. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we met up, you know, I brought my stuff. Um, we dropped it off in um, in the, the tent he had put up. Um, and he showed me around to, like, what was going on, like, in the camping area. Now let me mind, mind you, like... This is, like, the first, like, outside festival that I've ever been to. But I've been to plenty of concerts, right? And plenty of shows. So this outside festival was set up really cool. It had different, like, um, um, like canopy areas and stuff like that. And you could rent tents. So it's kind of like, I guess you could say, like a an EDC. Um, but the showers were amazing. The shower area was amazing. Uh, the bathroom area, the toilets were actual flushing toilets, and you had running actual water. Uh, so it was really cool. Apparently, Pink Pop has got a uh, like contract with this area and have been in this area for at least 10 years. And from my understanding, they've leased it out and contracted out for another 10 years. So they've probably plumbed it for water and stuff. It's pretty dang amazing. It was all... Um, it was really cool. So the campground itself was probably about a mile walk to the actual festival area. So you had to, they blocked off all these streets and everything. And so, you know, we're walking through these streets and then there's these different pop-up bars and different food vendors and all this music playing along the way. And it was just like, it was different. I was in a different amazing world it was crazy and it was so much fun um you know i tried all the food i could these bitter balls (laughs) sounds funny but they're veal veal meat um kind of in the shape of a hush puppy and then they got this cornmeal kind of like a hush puppy outside you know that they um dredge it in and then they fry it but these bitter balls were so Amazing! It's kind of like um, bar food that they had there. And I tried all these different, uh, you know, Dutch foods. And they were like, like I said, Dutch bar foods. I didn't, I, fruit, and I drank all the beer, and we smoked all the, well, they were cigarettes. So he hand, hand rolled cigarettes, which he put pot in. So that's what we did all that. Um, not did all that, but that's what we smoked while we were there. But I was so drunk. 
and so high pretty much the whole weekend and I didn't mind it because it was amazing. Foo Fighters, if you've never seen them, you are missing out. They are amazing live. Um, Pearl Jam, sadly, was not the greatest. Um, did not live up to my teenage heartthrob ears, unfortunately. Um, just because he just sounded really tired and old Eddie Vedder. And it sucked because oh, I was so in love with Pearl Jam. And their first album that came out and just everything about it. But sadly, the music wasn't there for him that night. Um, Bruno Mars, he's a showstopper. He was the last uh, act of the whole weekend on Sunday night. And he was awesome, too. Um, So many other, like, artists. I saw Nothing But Thieves. Um, I saw The Editor's. I don't even know. I can't even think of all the different bands that I saw, but I enjoyed them. Uh, It was a a great weekend, and it was amazing to be there with him. And, uh, you know, he said some things like he wanted to marry me and, like, he wanted me to stay and all these wonderful things, right? And I was hook, line, and sinker because I was, one, just in another world. Like, nobody there knew me. Like, nobody knew me. Um, In this time frame, I had been in contact with, like, my kids. They knew I was okay. I'd been in contact with my best friend. Um, I had accidentally FaceTimed uh, somebody I worked with. It was in the middle of the day or the morning or something. I don't know what it was. But I accidentally FaceTimed my friend, and she's at work. And she's like, I had to answer because I knew you were out of country. And I'm like, I don't even know how I FaceTimed you. Um, So that was fun. We had a blast that weekend. Uh, it was, like I said, it was one of those weekends I'll never forget. On top of the trip, I'll never forget. And having those memories are amazing. So the weekend came and went, and I was off to Jurtrek, uh, another small city. It's kind of a small Amsterdam. It's not as touristy. Um, I loved Jurtrek. I was there for five days when I told... Uh, these two ladies that were that came in and out of the hostel one day or night or something that I was there for five days, they were like, what? But honestly, Jurtrek was so much nicer. It was more laid back. Uh, it wasn't the hustle and bustle. I was like, Amsterdam was crazy with all of these bikes everywhere. And the bikes were the rulers. It's like uh, one guy that I talked to, he said, like, the bikes are the mafia, you know, they always have the right of way. A car could hit a bike, but the car is the one who, uh, or sorry, a bike could hit a car, but the car was the one that was at fault. Uh, literally, it was just so many people, so many bikes, so fast paced. And even though I live in a city, I don't necessarily always want that all the time. So going to Yerthrek, where it was still kind of a touristy, but is much more laid back, um, you know, I found about Mitzi, which is a bunny that was very popular. And it's kind of like, I guess you can say it'd be like a, a Winnie the Pooh. Uh, but it was kind of fun to find this little character all over town, different statues and stuff. And they have a Mitzi museum. Um, I didn't get to go to it because uh, it was sold out. And I think you had to have a kid with you. I can't remember, but I think it was sold out. I went to the Mondodurm, which was like a miniature-sized Netherlands. So you got to see, like, all the main interesting points of the Netherlands in this, like, miniature, um, you know, land or miniature-scaled version of the country. And that was really cool to check out. Uh, But the weekend came and went, and it was kind of sad because it was amazing, and I didn't hear from him, right? So my heart is like such on this high and then I'm on this low low and it sucked but I still enjoyed my weekend uh week in your trek um the greatest thing is I met this lady named Hillary and again in my hostel uh that I was staying at and she was there on holiday and she I think she was traveling all over this time I can't remember her story, but she was traveling, and she lived right outside of London. And I come to find out we're really good friends now on Facebook, and she's a much older lady than I, um, probably 20, 25, maybe 30 years older than I. 
And she's in a choir, and apparently she sings really, really well, and she travels with her choir and does things with them. Uh, But she was an interesting lady to run into. She was quite um, fun to talk to. And, again, it was nice to have somebody to talk to while I was there because I was, again, by myself. And even though I was texting my friends and whatnot, it was not the same of having that interaction with somebody. And it was funny because at this hostel that I was staying at, the um, I got interviewed by a German radio station. Apparently, the hostel was opening up a special wing or room or group room. I don't know. It had something to do with trains. And they wanted to do an interview uh, with me. And I'm like, oh, Lord. So you had... The guy who managed a hostel there, you had the guy for the German radio who was helping, you know, translating everything and that I was saying. It was kind of cool because oh, I was interviewed for a German radio station. And come to find out, the uh, manager of uh, the, the hostel I was staying at, he was at Pink Pop 2, and he had mentioned the same thing about Pearl Jam that weekend. Wasn't He wasn't, Eddie Vedder wasn't on par, but come to find out, I didn't realize he had been, he had played Amsterdam like two nights before so he was probably pretty tanked um from playing that gig um and then coming to play pink pop on a saturday night or so and that kind of upset me but it's whatever i liked your trick i love this the city there again do would do the same thing would walk around stop at a grocery store pick up some grub and then go and sit at the park one day I think it was like 75, 76. It was pretty warm, and everybody was out. That was a great thing about um, visiting there. And I realized it was the summer, so it might be a little bit different. But what I noticed was it's like in the evening time, families would go outside. They would go to this park, and they would, you know, uh, I would see them put up like soccer goals and they would play soccer or they would put up a volleyball net and they would play volleyball or I would see families go and take the whole meal for dinner there um, and enjoy dinner, you know, at the park and they would be playing and having a good time. I would see friends grab a blanket and they would have a basket and everybody would bring different types of food and wine and stuff. And it was just so relaxing and so nice and such about the community. And I love that you would literally walk everywhere. I mean, you could ride your bike, you could take the trains, but the automobiles weren't everywhere. I mean, there were there were vehicles and cars and stuff, but there were more spots for bikes than there was for anything else. Um, and the greatest thing is like, oh, one thing that shocked me is it wouldn't get dark until darn near 11.30, midnight. It was... It was odd. It was really strange. It really threw me off um, that it wouldn't get dark. You know, when I'm used to during the summertime, so here in Texas, like 8, 830, um, there it wouldn't get dark till like so late. So I could wander the streets and I felt safe the whole time. Uh, I remember going late at night going to get a burger because I was hungry and I was like, well, there's a burger shop right down the corner. You know, I'll go and get one. And it was great. I mean, they were these on a weeknight and again I realize it's the summer but it was a weeknight and I remember in this square of where I was where the hostel was at there was people out sitting in in these patios of the restaurants and they were drinking and just having a good time like the way life is over there is completely and utterly different than it is here or as it appears here right Um, I'm sure there's some cities that are like that but not so much here um, and probably not as often as there. So your trek was awesome. Uh, the last city that I went to, um, I went to a beach city, a beach town, and I got an Airbnb, and uh, it was a little secluded. And when I kind of uh, walked up to it, there was this van out front. <laughs> and um, from the front door to this van was an extension cord and I seriously thought this is where it ends this is where I die that's it I've come this far and this is where I die um I had messaged the lady told her I was running late or whatever the case might be I left the train later than I expected or something 
and uh, she's like, that's fine. She goes, I won't be there this weekend, but my husband and my kids will be there. And I'm like, what? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll stay at this place by myself uh, with the house full of guys. So, again, the houses, they kind of reminded me of row homes, town homes, however you want to look at it. But I loved them because they all had these big, huge front windows uh, with either curtains or plants in it. And it was gorgeous. Um, and they were, it was narrow and it was tall. Uh, this one was three stories. And well, that third story you had to use a ladder to get up into. Luckily, I was just staying in the second story, um, little guest bedroom. And uh, wait, no, I missed a whole city. I missed a whole city in there. <laughs> so once I left the Oh, where did I go? Yeah. Once I left the shit, I don't even remember what order. So once I left Pink Pop, I went back to the hotel. It was early Monday morning. Um, he left me. We left at the train station to let me go back, and he had to pack up um, his campsite and all that good stuff. I went back to my hotel where my stuff was at. I showered. Had a nice shower because I hadn't really showered all weekend. And I slept for like a couple hours. And then I took, I went somewhere. I don't know if I went to The Hague first. No, I don't think I did. I went to Utrecht for a bit. And then I went to The Hague, I think, for a night. The Hague um, was amazing, too. Um, stayed in a hotel there. I splurged there and I stayed at a hotel, which was really nice because I'd been staying in hostels the whole time and I was pretty tired of the hostels by then. Um, so I stayed at a hotel, really nice. The hay got really cold, I remember, and I couldn't get warm enough. And I was at the bar. I'm like, can I get a hot chocolate? Can I get another hot chocolate? Um, I ordered like an Uber Eats in the Netherlands for burgers and fries. Burgers and fries are really popular there and I knew they were really good there. So I ate burgers and fries and chicken and fries quite often. And then when I would snack at the at the grocery stores, I would typically pick up like this salad that had pasta in it with chicken. Um, it was really great. Or I'd pick up little appetizer like uh, pinwheel rolls and um, these different little things and a little thing of fruit. But yeah, I stayed in The Hague, I think, a night or two. And that was really, really nice. Um, it was great because there was like a Chinatown um, that I went to and I should have eaten some like oriental food or Chinese food there but I, I don't think I did um, I know in Amsterdam uh, with Eric he took me to the place to a place the first place I ever had pho or pho and it was amazing it was delicious we had the Dutch pancakes too at a place that was amazing we had the french fries so that was amazing um, the Hague was great. I loved it there. It was just me. And great thing about it, yeah, it was right after the, the festival because I remember I went from one festival to um, I got there Monday. And Monday, Tuesday, I think I left, or Wednesday I left. And the greatest thing about it was that um, right outside my hotel window, and you can open up the windows, um, was another like music festival going on. And it was the greatest thing. And the music, I could hear it from my room. So I pretty much chilled out in my room because I was like, I'd been in the festival weekend all weekend long. I'd been on my feet all weekend long. I had, my feet were a complete mess. Um, so showering and a bed was amazing. And then I traveled to Yurtrek, which was, again, gorgeous there. And then I went to the beach city, which I was there for a couple days. Um, and that was gorgeous as well. I loved every bit of it. Um, and then from the beach city, I ventured to, um, I forgot what town I went to, but I ventured there because I heard that was a popular town. So I went to there and I found another open air, air market and fe fresh pastries and breads and uh, yummy places to eat again. Um, that was a good time. I loved it. Um 
And then the time at the um, at the Airbnb was kind of great. Uh, talking to locals from the city. Apparently, the van guy was somebody that they were doing, they were bartering with. While he stayed there, he was actually building something for them, um, for their bedroom. Um, they were building like a platform bedroom in one of their, in the master bedroom, uh, so that they could have more people stay for their Airbnb. The beach was great. Um, I went down to the beach, which was freezing cold to me, but apparently they would go swim every night. And obviously now more and more we're hearing about the health benefits of taking cold showers and, um, and swimming in cold water. So, I mean, they'd been doing it since then and they'd been doing it all the time. So apparently there's some benefit to it. I did not partake. I was not a fan of the cold water, uh, but it was gorgeous. Looking at the North Sea, I literally had to Google map because I was like, I don't even know what sea I'm looking at. Like, what is this that I'm looking at here? And it was the North Sea. Um, so that was a great uh, time there in that little town walking around. It was during, um, I think they were, it was there like a Sunday, Monday, and I think my flight left Tuesday or something like that. Uh, so again, uh, small towns. In Europe, Sunday, a lot of things were closed, so not a lot going on. So I left, and I went back. I had to take the uh, train. It was like a two-hour train ride from where I was, or maybe less than that, uh, back to, to Amsterdam to Central Station so I can take it from there to the airport. And then from there, that's when I finally heard from him. And, like, he was like, oh, why don't you stay? And, you know, don't go back and this, that, and the other. And it sounded great for me. And I honestly, people, let's be real. I almost didn't come back. Like, I didn't want to. Uh, you know, everybody says, oh, I want to live here. Anytime they vacation someplace they've never been. That seriously was someplace that I would have vac- not vacationed at. I would have lived at. And even to this day, with all this shit that's going on, I would totally want to live there now. Like, in a heartbeat, let me go live there. Let me go do this thing. Um, but I had to go. Like, I had to come back. Like, my kids were here. Um, my oldest, two years ago, was 21. And my youngest at the time was um, 17. Um, he was going to be 18 in October. So it's like, eh, you know, I could. Uh, it was very tempting. But I didn't. I came back home. Um, and everything was, you know, back to normal here. It took me forever for my sleep schedule to get on, um, on track. Um, but literally that trip changed me and my view. And... When I was sitting there um, in one of the parks in in Yerstrek, uh that one night that I um, when it was like the hottest day there, like seventy five, I literally was thinking as I'm watching these people enjoying their dinner and their time with their friends at this park, like there's more to life than me being an insurance agent working for corporate America. Um, you know, this two and a half week vacation that I took to the Netherlands, uh, I'm thankful for my job that afforded me to do that. Um, you know, I'm thankful that um, I had the time and, the, you know, especially the time, the time off to take for that. Um, but literally sitting there, I was like, there's more to life than that. There's more to life than being the hamster on the wheel and being a number. Like I had seen people, I had met people in my career and I'd seen them leave the company and literally they were, their spot was filled, you know, and nobody batted the eye. Like people miss them. Yeah. But for how long are you missed? Right? Like the company doesn't miss you. They're like, okay, we need to fill that spot. We need, we need to fill that number. And I was feeling that, like, something strong while I was there. And I remember coming back, and um, I was like, there's more to life than this. There's more to, like, I kept telling, I kept saying that, I kept believing it. And I, you know, it just, 
It really was. And um, literally that was the catapult to me leaving my job over a year ago now. Um, It took me a little less than a year to do it. Um, It took a whole lot of faith. Um, And even now it's still taking some faith, right? Because have you tried opening a small business in a pandemic? Not the easiest thing to do. Not at all. And it actually really sucks, and, and it's hard. And nobody tells you these things, right? Uh, n- nothing comes easy, right? Nothing has ever come easy to me. Um, I've always, I've always done things the hard way, um, but that's how I've learned, and that's how you grow: is doing things the hard way or being put in situations where you have to change your outlook and. Um, of what you thought your life was going to be, right? Uh, You thought you were going to do something for the rest of your life or you thought you were going to be with somebody for the rest of your life. Um, But fucking life has a way of just like, and let's pull pull the e-brake, whip you around and make you spin and then you're going to go in a different fucking direction. Um, That's what that, I think that's what that trip did for me. It put me in a different direction. It put me in a different mindset. It showed me that, one, I was strong enough to do this fucking trip by myself, even without meeting up with that guy that I was so in love with. Because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, like a month later or something, I get a message from some chick who's like, do you know this person? And I was like, uh, well, before I answered, I was, you know, like most of us were like, well, let me dig some dirt. Let's see what this person's about, right? And who this person is. Same last fucking name as him. Well, lo and behold, I said, yes, I know him. I said, who are you? Are you married to him? And she's like, yes, they'd been married for so long. And I was like, fucking A. Like, seriously, people, like, married men are attracted to me. I didn't never... Never have I ever sought out attention specifically from a married person. Like, that was never my intention. But many a time, married men find me and are attracted to me and try to pursue me. And somehow, and and all of these married men can tell you, I'll ask them, what's going on in your marriage? Why isn't it not working? What have you done? What have you tried? Like, the psychologist and me wants to fix them, right? And I don't know if they like that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But the wives will always message me. And I always tell the wives. They're like, he's cheating. How how dare he cheat on me? Um, you know, I've been with him forever. And I'm like, okay, then you need to fix it. I said, because this isn't just him cheating on you. Like, you did something to cause this. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. If you've ever been cheated on, something caused that to happen. You can say it all you want. That person's at fault. Whatever. Whatever makes you feel better. Whatever feeds into that victim mentality. But I will tell you this. There is always a reason why somebody cheats. And it can be the stupidest thing in your mind, but it will be the biggest thing in that person's mind. Something is missing in the relationship that's causing them to look outside their relationship. That is why people cheat. Unpopular opinion. There is a reason why people cheat all the time, and it's not because of sex. It doesn't always start as sex. Okay, it starts off as an emotional thing going on, and then it grows from there. Now, I will tell you. Emotional affairs are harder to break than physical affairs. I know that for a fact. That's just what it is. So, anyways, she messages me. I figured out. He tells me. I message him, and I said, I get this crazy message from this person. La, la, la. So I call him, and he's all of excuses and all of these things. And I'm just like, I can't have it. Like, I've had enough of it, but you know what? I'm dumb because I've had, it was an, I ended up having an emotional attachment. (laughs) This was an emotional affair that I had with this person because, right, we were long distance, right? So I physically could not have him in my presence. 
but we had conversations that were very in-depth, um, very deep and emotional, and so emotional affair. And those are the longest and the hardest to break from. I know that obviously personally because my friends will even tell you for the longest time, they're like, get over it, Rose, get over it. And I'm like, it was the hardest thing to do, and it still kind of is because those memories still come up, and I think about them, and I love those times. And I think about the time that I had there and the time that I was with him. And, you know, it makes me question, was his intentions true? Or was he just blowing me a fucking, you know, blowing up shit up my ass or something or whatever the saying is, blowing smoke up in my ass? I'll never know. I never will know. But those are the things that I have to live with, right? Those are the things that I can't control, So I have to create my own scenario of, like, it doesn't matter what he thinks. You know, I have to create my own closure here. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter why he did what he did. It's how I react and how I respond and how I'm going to move forward from it. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah, some personal uh, things going on in my brain here that I'm thinking as I'm talking. So, you know... I, I, it wasn't a bad time. It was an excellent time. And those were great memories. And I loved every bit of it. And I'm thankful. So thankful that I had that time there. Now, do I want to go back? Hell fucking yeah, I want to go back. Uh, in a heartbeat, I want to go back. Uh, I would love to be there. Um, I often think that I should have left. Like, everybody thought when I was leaving my job, they're like, oh, you move into the Netherlands? Like shit I should have like it would have been the best fucking thing to do that um but I didn't I stayed (laughs) and I'm here and I you know I'm doing what I can I'm trying to grow my business and trying to be all that I can be right I guess well you know life is life uh it's interesting to say the least um and I'm thankful for it. Like these adventures of me and the adventures of Rose, they never quit. They never stop. Like I said, like, I don't know how many times I've been messaged by a wife trying to tell me off about their husband and trying to put me down and all this other mess. And I'm just like, look, I'm just trying to help you out here. But, you know, I get it. The women are scorned. The women are hurt. Um, they don't want to hear it from the, the woman that, you know, their husband's sleeping with or potentially uh, sleeping with. So it's it's wild. Um, life is really, really wild. I'm just thankful that I came out on the other end, right? Like, I'm thankful that I'm here today. Um, I'm 41 on the verge of going on 42. And do you know what 42 is? Do you know what 42 is? It's the answer to life. Um, it's the answer to life. And it's the ultimate answer to life to everything around us. Hopefully you got that reference to the ultimate hitchhiker's guide, ultimate guide to the universe. Anyways, that's why I always picked 42 as my roller derby number. Um... In the spiritual sense, 42 stands for progress and stability after making big decisions in life. Um, So hopefully here, uh, in my 42nd year around the earth uh, soon, it'll mean that for me. And I'll be able to move forward. And hopefully by then, this pandemic, because I'll be after the election, will be over. Uh, people laugh at me and my conspiracy thoughts and theories, but hey, it is what it is. It's what I think, not what you think. And it's my opinion, not your opinion. And I'm not calling my opinion truth. It's just what I think. Um, so, yeah. So I'll leave you uh, with those things. Um, let's talk about our affirmations, right? Our I am's and I believes. I am worthy. I am capable. I am fearless. I am amazing. I am worthy. I am capable. I am amazing. I am light. 
I am grace. I am the light in the darkness. And when the darkness comes, be that light. That's what the world needs today. It definitely needs a whole lot of light in this world because we are living in a society right now that is so fucked up that I couldn't even tell you, like, so many weird things are going right now and you just need to be the light. Like, you talk about all these different things and all these what people should be doing. What about what you could be doing? You can do it. Be that light. Be that presence. Be present. Be mindful. Be thoughtful. Be kind. Be be amazing. And always and always smile. Until then, this is Anchored in Wellness with your wonderful host, Rose. Until next time, love, peace, and light.